0: hello and welcome to the winning agenda my name is thomas daniel and this week we'll be continuing our uk meta discussion in addition to this we'll also be having quite a lengthy discussion about intentional draws once again this week panelists jesse marshall and Hollis echo are joined by special guests tim fowler and dave hoyland without further ado let's get back into things
1: so, Dave, we might quickly touch on your nationals experience before we move on to our next exciting subject. Um, how did you go at Nats? You you made the top cut, I believe.
2: Yes, so made the top cut, um, which was obviously very pleasing. Um, but so I finished in um, ninth place, um, and in eighth place, my kind of testing buddy, my apprentice, whatever you want to call him, uh, Mark Mottram, finished in eighth on strength schedule. So, in the cut, we were scheduled to play um, in the first round. So, which was a bit of a bummer, because obviously, really pleased for him having made the cut, um, his first Nationals cut, but also then, obviously, I had to play him. Uh, Also, I was on 49 IGN Siphon Wiz, as was he. I think our was one card difference across both our decks, um, so yeah, I knew that the IG matchup was probably quite bad um, against Siphon Wiz, um, which I managed to win, but it was really quite uncomfortable, quite bad. Um, and then in the and the whole cut was
1: so you beat your apprentice.
2: Yeah. Well, you to, left right? his you
1: left his body charred and burning <laughs> on the side of a cliff.
2: He's not quite at that point where he can become the master. I think that's the point. Right? <laughs> um. So
1: next episode. Next episode. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. But the whole. Cu- so this is kind of going back to like kind of trying to make the right meta choice. Um. Ig was totally the wrong meta choice and shouldn't have. I mean, obviously, I made day two, finished third. I'm really pleased, but wasn't the right deck to play, so the, the top cut, there was so much wizard. You know, as Tim's just said, he was on um, wizard with two employee strikes and two slums. That's a ridiculously bad matchup, and obviously what knocked me out. Yes, yeah, and that's what knocked me out of the tournament. So, um, I made the wrong meta choice um, with my court deck, and got punished for it. So, throughout the tournament, like, my play, I think, was really good. Um, you know, Tim tells I'm me... <laughs> Tim tells me he's, you know, mentally scarred from the uh, IG matchup. So, like, it feels like I did something right if I put him under that much pressure. So, generally, I'm pleased with my play. But uh, Tim,
1: would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Dave, if you had your time over again uh, with your corp deck, what, um, what would you have taken?
2: That's. So, I definitely would have considered the Butcher Shop deck I took to Reading a few weeks before. Um, most of the decks that I saw um, didn't really have any kind of kill protection beyond I've had worse. So, I think, that, I think that would have also done quite well and probably wouldn't have suffered from the hate um, that everyone was packing. So
3: Can I just come on this, actually? Yeah, well, so I just think I think that, that's really interesting because as a person who played wizard and had to think through that deckwilling choice, I thought there might well be a lot of siphon, um, but you just can't, I mean, CTM without hate is an incredibly difficult matchup. And once you've slotted the slums and the strike, there just aren't any slots left for Plaskrieg, you know, without just compromising the absolute core of the deck, which is Wild Wildside and the ice destruction. Um, so I, I suspect almost none of the wizard in the cut was playing to you know um so i think a kill that would have been in a good place um i think that's interesting looking forward
1: Hollis, do you have any any last questions for dave on that nationals deck decision or how how the tournament went
0: so uh, in when, with bringing ig into you know bringing that version of the ig deck into your nationals uh you and mark uh was there ever a point in your playtesting where you guys were um was there a point in playtesting where you thought that uh, the sheer number of like uh, the, the change in MBN was going to affect the meta so much, where you thought Wizard was going to be sort of a non-factor? Was it was that the was it how you guys like kind of reviewed it and looked at it? You thought maybe if NBN was less popular, that level of asset spam was also less popular?
2: So a, few, a couple of weeks before uh, reading. One of the top runner decks had been um, Haley Spycam, so, and we had initially thought that the IG matchup against Haley Spycam was pretty terrible, um, but we hadn't tested it a lot. Um, so we did a load of testing and actually found that it was a really winnable matchup because the first time that deck, that Haley deck, goes through kind of setting up, it's really low on money. It's really vulnerable. And actually, you can, if you can set up a few bioethics with some hostiles, they don't have any money. Uh, they don't have any clicks spare because they're setting up. And you can actually just basically set up a bioethics lock and then eventually, um, you know, and threaten kind of the Ronin kill before they're ready. Before they're And if you don't get it set up, then you lose. But every game we did in testing was actually quite favorable because you can actually set up faster than they can. You can hit some key pieces. Yeah, but and th- and this is kind of I guess where we went wrong was we went well hold on we th- we thought Hayley Swirecams was the deck that was going to kill off IG so let's play that because actually we can win that matchup. However, what had happened is everyone went oh we need to sort out C T M that's really really strong let's play Wizard with hate and and that is what hurt IG because it's the same uh, hate.
1: Yeah. So you were you're sort of hoping that the, the best runner deck would be Hayley or the most popular runner deck would be Haley Spycans, which you had a good matchup against and it turned out to be a lot of yeah. wizard that you faced. Yeah
2: Yeah. And so as I said, the bit there was making the wrong metaphor.
1: Great. I I'm sure that um our listeners, many of whom might be approaching their own nationals tournaments or thinking about worlds, um, have probably taken a lot out of that Dave in terms of the way you thought through Um, The likely matchups brought in your regionals experience, thought about how the decks you enjoyed had performed against the other decks you'd faced at those earlier tournaments, and then factored all of that into your decision about what decks to bring. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would take a lot out of that. Um, So thank you for sharing, and thanks also, Tim, for sharing your thoughts on the meta. No worries. Um, So our next topic that we were going to discuss today is something that came about in the aftermath of Nationals, Uh, something that, Tim, you started a a bit of a discussion about on Facebook, and it's the recent change in the tournament rules which has allowed people to intentionally draw. What exactly did you find at Nationals was the issue um, with IDs, uh, and what would you like to see as a a solution to uh, some of those problems that you found?
3: Okay, so I'll make this sort of... So what what happened to me was... I, I, I. I went from being sort of on the fence about this issue, or I suppose I'd always been slightly hostile to the concept, but without really caring too much. And then I think a series of things at nationals really sort of moved me into the into the anti ID camp. Um, and one was just the experience of talking to my my friends who who were on who were doing very well, but not quite on the, the top table. Um, and and universally, those players took the spectacle of all the top players IDing and just going off i mean literally leaving the building to have coffee um to be somewhat detrimental to the atmosphere of the tournament um uh, and 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 i think in a sort of tournament structure thing a, a second point is that it does lower the chances of those people making the cut right because the very worst thing that can happen to you if i'm in 17th, 18th, and there's a top 16 cut is for every single person above me to, to draw um, what I want yeah. to happen is some people to sweep, and therefore some people to get swept. Um, so what was happening was both sort of as a performance, I think, kind of bad and negative. That lots of people were just leaving and, and not playing netrunner and hanging about and having a laugh, where other people were sort of locked in the midst of their their struggle to make the cut. And then actually, as a, as a, as a second effect, that actually does have a, an impact on those people. And I think that the um, the the impact of that is to mean that too much of the the action, as it were, happens in the early round. Um, so we had several people who made the, who effectively made the cut after winning six games. So they went, they, they swept their first three games, or they had a buy and swept twice. They were on six nil, and then they just ID out to seven one, eight two, nine three, and then to 10 four, and 10 four was what we knew would make the cut. Um, and you might think that you want the action to be in the early round, so, to, so it's to be at the end, to be in the later round. Um, so you might want all of the action to be in the very final rounds when almost everyone's kind of in the midst, or lots of people are in the midst of the of, of the struggle. Some people have an advantage, but if they get swept, they might get knocked out. So lots more people have a chance of getting in, maybe a thin one, but at least a chance. And I felt that that had disappeared in a way that had made a lot, quite a lot of people quite unhappy.
1: So the, um, the so. issue that um, some people raised before uh, IDs were allowed was that people were IDing anyway, um, and that allowing anyone to do it would make it more transparent and open and fair. Um, So with with that in mind, and assuming as much as you can uh, make this assumption without going too deep down that rabbit hole, that some people will always ID, um, so therefore you want to do something to level the playing field, what do you think the solution could be? I mean, do you think changing the amount of points you get for an ID would work? Do you think changing the tournament structure so that you don't have essentially what we have now, which is two tournaments. One is the Swiss. If you are successful in that tournament, you make it to an entirely separate cut tournament. Do you think it's worth trying to bring those two together so that match points mean something a little more than making the cut? Or do you have another solution that you think would work? Um, I think there's a lot. I mean, I, I'd be interested to
3: find out what other people think on the sort of second issue of what the solution is. But I think the thing I want to make clear just to the start is I, I think what we had before was better than what we have now. Um, so I'm of the mind that no solution is better than what we have now. Just just going to a solution that says we ban IDs, we make the penalty pretty strict, so a, a tournament loss if you're found doing it. Um, but more importantly, we're just going to have to trust the players. I take your point entirely. IDs were clearly happening. I was offered IDs. Um, I won't name any names, but people offered me IDs uh, at least once or twice in tournament. Surely some people were accepting that. And that's a great shame that's that's cheating that's that's bad for the game um but i think that what we have now with the entire top cup IDing from rounds three and four is a worse situation than what we had before um so i think that there's an important issue there that if, if if we get that you know if, if it really is the right that just having some cheating is better than what we have now then i think we should just ban them and then try and see if we can come up with a best solution but at least get rid of them because i, I really think they are very negative for the game Even more so than the cheating was actually.
1: So perhaps um, you could come up with some creative solutions like not, I don't know, texting players their table numbers and not telling them their opponents so that they don't have a chance to discuss whether they're going to ID in anticipation before they sit down and then having judges more closely supervising what happens once people sit down. I mean, there's all sorts of enforcement um, tactics that you could use there. Dave, did you have something to say?
2: Yeah, I've definitely got something to say. So you raised an interesting thing which um, about. People not knowing their table numbers, their opponents, all that sort of stuff um so uh one of the regions I went to, if you wanted to i d um for the next round, you could go up and tell a judge you didn't know who you were playing, you didn't know what um what table you were on, you didn't know the standings, you didn't know anything, and only if both players um went up separately and did that. Would you be given a ID? Okay. That didn't stop it, so um, people still ID'd in because if you know you're on enough points, well, you still want to ID, um, and the only reason you know you wouldn't is, uh, and unless you have some sort of principle against it, is you know if you you know you you don't have enough points and therefore your opponent's been pared down or something like that so yeah no
1: my, my suggestion Dave was more in terms of if you did go with Tim's suggestion and ban IDs again that you would have to if you wanted to make it fair have some stricter enforcement so that you couldn't have people knowing their opponent before they sit down at the table discussing it with the person and agreeing to draw But I don't like it presumably is what happened in the past
2: but I think that that's not really enforceable right especially the bigger the tournament the the more you can't enforce these things. I mean, that's why it was put into place was to stop people cheating. And you know,
1: yeah,
2: I can say I've been offered on several occasions, you know, to uh, the to ID so that we both made the cut. Now, it, so you know, Tim's had the same experience. It does, happen and that was even before
1: if, they were allowed. Yes,
2: sorry, yes. Yeah. Um. So it does happen. So that even if it's not all the time, it was so it feels like IDs being in the game was the right thing to do because, you know, it it would resolve the problem. But I do agree with Tim that it's probably created a bigger one. Um so I, I've heard some people say things like, Oh well, you just make IDs worth less points. Um so in my view I don't think that works because that just encourages then people to um kind of agree a split rather than an ID. Um, so they just kind of fake the games and then go, oh yeah, we split. So they still get the same number of points and it just doesn't resolve the issue. Um, it just creates the issue all over again. Um, what I'm more interested in is, and I, I don't know if there is a solution, but uh, GenCon used uh, graduated cuts and I obviously I wasn't there, so but my understanding is there was a lot less IDing early on because you know it wasn't about making... To it just sec- the second day it's about making it through to the top sixteen, and you can't start iding after three or four rounds um if you on the second day you to play another three rounds and then start looking towards the cut so you are there. so that's a way
1: of making your match points mo- much more relevant isn't it
2: yeah, so effectively they played ten rounds of Swiss, so therefore you, you can't you, i mean you can still ID but it's much less impactful because. Is so much more Swiss. So, Hollis, what do you think?
0: Uh, I mean, piggybacking off of exactly what you said, both you, Tim, uh, and and, uh, and you, Dave, basically what it comes down to for me, looking at like the problem that I see with it, is that it seems like in shorter tournaments, where there's five and six rounds, um, when you start adding up all of the, um, uh, I'll just say gimmies, that are possible for individual players. So when you look at the fact that um, if you've won a, uh, um, a, ter- a tournament that is like the level below, you automatically get two free wins from the buy. And then if you combine that with uh, you, know, you being a fairly competent player and being able to, let's say a five-round tournament, uh, you combine that buy, for an example, with being able to win um, an additional uh, four to five games uh, for, the, for the rest of that tournament. When you're now at that final two rounds or that final round, you can you know, it's pretty easy to determine if you're actually going to make that cut. Because there are so few rounds that the buys the buy as well as the uh, intentional draw, and by the way, I'll, I, I would like to touch on buys in a, uh, in a minute. Uh, um, is largely impactful because of it, because of how short the actual tournament is as far as rounds go. At nationals, uh, David is absolutely right. I saw way less intentional draws, primarily because there was a graduated cut, and while the strength of schedule was kept as well as your actual placement. The fact remains is is that you still really had to hustle on day two because there were so many rounds of Swiss it was advantageous to play you know a very heavy amount of rounds so that if you uh so that you know players that may that were normally just been on the bubble they absolutely were in for a second part of that tournament they still had to sweep out uh the people at the top cut could have still possibly ID um as an example at the the Day two was three more rounds of Swiss, so the people that were in the top, maybe one through eight currently, they probably could have already ID'd at least twice, but uh, they for sure would have probably had to sweep the last, or I guess the first uh, game of Swiss on day two, which again helps solve the problem. I don't really even think the problem with IDs and how they like uh, influence tournament results or, or really affect the 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 emotions and the actual mentality of the players of net, you know in netrunner I think I think I think all of that is way less impactful when there's just simply more rounds um, primarily because well, what, you're playing more
2: yeah well, I was gonna say your example there is um, people played you know seven or eight rounds out of ten yeah which you know uh, there was an option for me who had, has, has had a buy um, to play only two rounds of netrunner yeah wow at seven yeah so, I mean, I split one of my rounds and then swept the one after. So I actually played I played three of seven, but they're still not right. Right. Um, to, and then made the cut. So so maybe graduate cuts are something which work in big tournaments, but they do, I don't think it solves the problem of smaller ones. Um, but then, do you just only allow IDs in big tournaments? It doesn't seem particularly
1: right. Like great the option. other... The other option is that you can play. You can split the tournament off into groups of eight, and you can have people playing off for a spot in the finals in their group of eight. So, you know, effectively, you want you have to come first or first and second in your pod to make it to the next round, which means you have to actually play all of your Swiss rounds. I mean, that doesn't necessarily work with buys, but you know, these are all ways of rearranging the tournament to make playing every round actually relevant to progressing to the next stage.
3: Another thing you might want to do is make the order of the cut more impactful um yes so i mean these are just top of my head thoughts but suppose it were true that instead of just in the, you know currently it's only in the first game of the cut where the person who's higher seed gets to choose that suppose it was every round then it would really matter where you come in the cut. so you might not want to ID out to guarantee 40 you might want to play on to have a chance at eight
2: yeah that i mean yeah i, I think i agree with tim that there's probably a number of solutions that could be trialed. I don't know what the answer is, but it doesn't it doesn't feel great at the moment um I mean, the cut still was like really hard, you know there were great players, and the it was, the players who were there were the players I kind of expected to be there you know um so I don't think it's skewing results. I just think it's probably making it a lot less fun um I think me and Chris Dyer, and one of the other top players in the u k both said something similar, which was well, yeah, we made the cup, but it wasn't exactly fun. So,
3: I think I compare it to my experience at Worlds. So at Worlds, I went into the final three rounds needing three splits and drew against Lucas Lee, uh, Min Tran, and uh, Timmy Wong. Um, and I got those splits, and I'm really proud of it. Like, that was really difficult netrunner that came down to side games and crazy plays. And if if instead I'd just been able to ID to make that cup, it would just have been much less of an experience, right? Those games were great, and I'm glad I played them. And no one in their right mind would not take an idea against Min Tran, because beating him even once is incredibly difficult. Um, I think, and actually just to go to the the prevalence of cuts, I, I was right at the top tables at Worlds for most of the day, and people were hiding it very well if they were faking draws, because you could see other people across those tables really upset about the games and going for it and shouting in and stuff. Um, and I'm sure there were one or two yeah. people who were, who were cheating and that's sad, but I don't think it was prevalent enough to change it. I mean, think about what's going to happen this year. You're just going to have those entire top tables not playing at all. You know, that's the best players in the world, yeah. not playing that
2: Yeah, I think there's something to be said, Tim, for your point, which is, you know, there were problems before, but this is a bigger problem.
0: What have you said about incentivizing the, the placement in the, in the cut. Is, is hugely beneficial. Um, I actually just had this conversation, um, yesterday evening with one of my friends, local friends named Corey, and he mentioned that, of course, in Magic, the other game, you know, being able to do really, really well in the Swiss translates to getting, um, effectively a buy in the top cut. And I know, I know, Netrunner is different, and overall, there's far less overall matches in Netrunner comparatively because the game, the, the game is asymmetrical, but being able to, to make the cut in Magic and saying, all right, well, the first round, the first two rounds after the cut, I effectively am in this bracket automatically, like I'm in the semifinals, no matter what, um, means that everyone else that makes that cut that basically ID'd, and now their numbers, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, because they weren't playing to win even uh, in the final rounds of Swiss, means that they have more work to do now in the finals, even if they were to ID, because you know, they're going to have to win out to work their way uh, and play more games to work their way to the winner's bracket. In the same way how Netrunner is taxing when you can be more taxing when you play more rounds of Swiss, um, I would assume it's it holds fairly true when you're, you know, in that top cut. And all of your opponents that you're playing are the best opponents that are in the tournament.
1: You can rework the bracket. You know, you could change it from being double elimination to being first top four is in the winner's bracket already and they have two lives and the bottom half of the cut has... One life, right. they're in the loser's bracket. You know, There's, there's lots of ways you can do it um, that would incentivize people to actually aim for those top Swiss spots. And that's, that's really something that we've been talking about on this show since well before IDs were allowed, which is that the separation between the two tournaments is too high. There is not enough that carries over from the Swiss into the top cut to make the Swiss actually relevant to who is the champion at the end of the day. You know, your aim in the Swiss tournament is not to win Netrunner games. It's not to win as many games as you possibly can. It's to make the top cut. And those two things may sound similar, but because of IDs and various other things, they're actually not the same thing. So if you can add some rewards um, to the the second tournament um, that actually reward you for winning games of Netrunner in the first tournament, which doesn't currently happen, then I think that would be a good thing.
3: Yeah, I entirely agree. Um, and I think there's this has been a really productive discussion because I think we've, there's lots of ways of doing that. And I think it's worth us having as a community rather than just us for thinking about what those yeah. things could be. But I think that's a really useful way of going um, because it, it goes to the root of the problem. So it goes to the the reason people would want to draw in the first place. Um, so, like I've said, I'm, I'm of the mind that, to be honest, I, I think what you do is just fan IDs next week and and see how the chips fall but as a way of improving the situation this seems a really good way to go
1: it's great so uh damon if you're listening um (laughs) some rewards in the top cut for actually winning games in the swiss would be great (laughs) (laughs) so we might have to wrap this discussion up here as interesting as it's been and um of course we'll extend an open invitation to tim and dave to return any time to the show um but Thank you all. Uh, we'll just sort of go to the final thoughts before we head off. Uh, start with you, Tim.
3: Um, I not much to say that I haven't really said. Um, I think the Met is in a really interesting place. One thing I just as I haven't been on sort of these sort shows before. I, I we were saying about Damon. I actually think he's judged the MWL really well, um, knowing what cards are coming. So this isn't something we already really, really talked about. When the when the MWL two hit, I thought he'd really killed MBN and. Anarch, and i was kind of sad about that because it's what i play and actually they were still brilliant decks they just weren't crazily more powerful than all the others you know if you imagine mm. ctm with three astros it would be totally ridiculous um or the wizard deck that i used to be able to play with three clone chips everyone would have played that um so i think actually while i sort of jokingly griped a second ago i think it's been much better judged than i thought and you know people should say that
1: great Nice bit of positivity to end on there from Tim. Thank you. Dave, any final thoughts?
2: I just kind of want to reiterate something Tim has said, which is a lot of people gripe about Netrunner and decisions they are made or cards that come out. And actually, you know, the meta generally sorts itself out, or if it doesn't, um, they seem to take actions, so maybe a bit too slowly um, to sort out problems uh, with like the most wanted list or whatever else, uh, or ratas. So I think people just need to have a bit of faith in, you know what's coming out in future cards and i'm going to point uh, people towards uh, damon's uh, twitter account where he uh, basically put up a you know a gif of uh, someone uh, laughing hysterically uh, when people were complaining about cards when they hadn't seen everything else that came out in the cycle <laughs> so uh, just i think people should just wait and see
0: great hollis uh so forgive me but uh, i just a small amount of real talk uh so basically <laughs> uh-oh. No, basically I think that um I would like to uh I guess really point out that you know the purpose of why we even play this game at all is always you know just to have fun. You know the tournaments are nice um you know meeting all you excellent people and seeing Dave's beautiful face is all fantastic. But you know the entire the entire point that we even play the game with our friends and go to these tournaments and spend all this money on accommodations is because the game of Netrunner is fun. And if uh I strongly encourage if you guys are if anyone in Netrunner is not having fun with the current set of rules, whether it's um, and we're talking more locally here. But, you know, you don't like the fact that there's IDs. You don't like the fact that there's really buys um, for you know certain tournaments. Uh, you don't like that there's cash prizes or something, you know, something to get out of the game. Um, I would encourage you, especially locally. You know, that's a discussion you should absolutely be having with your, your local meta. You know, do things that you think are going to make the game more fun. Talk it out because when it's all said and done, you know. You want to grow your runner community, and you want to make sure that everyone that you're playing with is having the most fun that they possibly can. Um, so if you guys are not having fun with IDs you know challenge yourselves to be creative and, and make a change that you think is going to um, improve the experience um, also in regards to the meta you know jumping on that bandwagon like everybody else i uh, at nationals and u s nationals uh, I recall a i it may have even been Zach Cavis, I recall him saying. That the meta felt healthy, which is a word I had not heard in a while because for a long time, you know, we we were stuck in a very dominant IG Gagarin meta that people felt like was unfun and uh, didn't really like challenge anyone to, to build creatively. And, you know, an excellent player like Zach, and in general, the consensus seemed to be that the meta was much more healthy, uh, gave me a really positive outlook for, you know, what the community at large may be thinking about the game. So I'm really happy with Damon's direction and a lot of the cards that are coming out that it's going to allow people to be more creative and have more fun. And uh, that's it.
1: Great. Thanks, Hollis. Um, And once again, thanks, Dave, and thanks, Tim, for joining us uh, this evening on The Winning Agenda. We hope that all of you have enjoyed this episode. If you like what we're doing, you can jump onto patreon.com slash The Winning Agenda and throw a few bucks our way. Um, If you would like to like us on Facebook, we are The Winning Agenda. If you'd like to tweet us, we are at Winning Agenda. If you'd like to send us an email, we are thewinningagenda at gmail.com. And as always, we'll be back next Monday with another episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank
2: you. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much.